The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Is up, everybody. Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, X slash Twitter. Maybe you're listening later on um, Audible. I don't know. Are we an audiobook? Maybe. <laughs> Who honestly even knows? Wherever you're listening, whether it's live or not, we appreciate you being here this evening. Unfortunately, our third co-host, Justin, cannot be here this evening. He's got a he's got a job. Hollywood Justin, man, living Hollywood his best Justin. life. What is he doing? He's uh, pitching Barbie Two, I believe, out in yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. Yes. Barbie Two. Barbie Ken dies. <laughs> well, that's a. That's the name of the movie, Barbecue. Yeah. Ken dies. Yeah, exactly. Wow, dark. Are they getting Gerwig back? Of course. Great. You You're a real deal maker. That's why I go to you. Like, I don't even read Variety anymore, Pete. I just, I call up Pete or I text him sometimes. On and what's telephone. great is I'm wrong 60% of the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Better than the trades these days. What <laughs> would be, all right. I don't know what we're getting into here. We have a lot of great guests this yeah. evening. So let's stop with the uh, weird bits about Barbie and instead get into bringing them in. Our first one is the creator of Riot Force from SourcePoint Press. Ladies and gentlemen, Austin McKinley. Welcome. Austin, welcome. Uh, Excited to have you on. Excited to talk about this. But first, I want to turn to Pete for a segment that usually happens towards the end of the interview, but I know probably wants to happen now. Pete, do you want to talk about what's behind Austin? Yeah. By uh, the way, just to be clear, the section is not always what's behind Austin. It's just your name is Austin. Also, <laughs> it's a, it looks like you got a cool nerd wall going on behind you. Do you mind walking us through some of that there? Also, Ride Force, we'll get to in a moment. Um, yeah, there's a couple of bits from uh, some movie props of stuff that I've worked on. Some Ooh. There's like a toy of mystery. There's some books that are my sort of go-to uh science fiction touchstone comic books like oh, do you have a favorite piece back there though something yeah. that's like yeah. in a fire situation the first thing yeah what are you grabbing mm. <laughs> i don't know i think i would leave all of that, oh, <laughs> no. No, that i mean that's kind of the right answer <laughs> sure sure yeah family first yeah yeah the living people in your house and animals but uh you know, what Pete would do, Pete, for anybody who's listening, just so you know, he now has faced the camera the right way after we chided him on the podcast about this. and uh, Or maybe it was off the podcast, and I'm just bringing this up, but now has this like very cool <laughs> wall of comic book boxes. You would do you do the Spider-Man Steve Ditto thing, like lift it all up on your shoulders, right? Exactly, just, yeah, yeah. Up. Are they Ram on casters? That makes it all. easier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about Riot Force. This new yeah. comic. Um, one of the things that I absolutely love about this, correct me on the age, but you came up with this pre-Ted. You were like eight, nine years old, and now you're getting back to it. 
and <laughs> sort of using the same script. Is that correct? I mean, I assume aged up a little bit. Yeah, it's it's referential to to some of the original. You know, like the, the guiding principle of this project has been: is it something that a thirteen year old would draw on their book cover? Mm, so yeah. lines from the original that are still like that. You know, that that still have that kind of. Uh, unintentional humor or uh obliviousness or or even unintentional poignancy uh those i i kind of preserve but the rest of it is is wrapped up in a uh more cogent narrative i think <laughs> now when you say preserve things from the original is that the sort of thing like kids you knew back when you ate would be like oh shit i remember that from the original riot force that's so cool <laughs> for the you know <laughs> fewer than 50 people that, that might have read those maybe yeah. <laughs> uh, well why don't you take tell us the idea of the book beyond the structure of it what is what's the pitch for the book so it's a group of unruly super cops who have to fight a deranged eco-terrorist that uh that has a grudge against their leader and a corporate uh, evil corporation that is trying to kill them and replace them with its own unkillable crime-fighting product. So it's ridiculous action, adventure, humor, and uh, nostalgia a little bit. Uh, one of the best com comments that I got about it is, I can't believe I never heard of the awesome toy line on which this comic is clearly based. <laughs> uh, that's great yeah i love i really love this kind of over the top uh 80s kind of feel yeah it's uh it's a little bit like a time machine going back uh and uh i yeah i, I love this the whole tone of it uh it's really cool thank you yeah uh, no question you... just wanted to put that <laughs> uh here i'll make several statements in a row as well I, I, let's go back to the toy of it all so you are creating something that feels like this original toy line in a certain way. <laughs> Was there anything in particular you were inspired by? Like, were you looking at a uh, Transformers or a GI Joe or something like that? And then I mean, it's it? all in the soup, you know, like, like mm -hmm. no one thing specifically, but that was, uh, you know, that was my era growing up. So, you know, yes, GI Joe, Transformers, also Robocop, also Terminator, also, you know, aliens, whatever, you know, uh, all of that kind of, uh, sci-tech thriller stuff is is there um but also it's it's the pastiche that i was making at the time when i was a kid you know the the stuff that that was coming through and getting wrapped up into my my own sensibility from a from a very early age Given the gap between when you came up with this and now, and for anybody listening who isn't watching right now, Austin is, I believe, now you're 15 years old. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Great. <laughs> Excellent. No, no, obviously there's been some time in between it. Um, what, what spurred on doing this now? Like, why was this the right time to revisit this project? It was, it was kind of a, a now or never thing, you know, like, uh, I had been doing more comic book work. I, I'd, I'd been out of it for a little while, um, working on a, a game development and, and uh, cool. documentary project. And um, I did a graphic novel with Dirk Manning at SourcePoint Press. 
Um, so I was sort of in the mode of doing long form uh, sequential art. And, uh, you know, as I was looking for, you know, what's the next thing I'm going to devote some time and energy to, it was kind of taking stock of, you know, there was, there's some unfinished business with that story that I never quite got to bring it all the way home. And, uh, you know, I would enjoy revisiting that. And so it, it kind of felt like a, a now or never kind of thing. Like if I was going to do one more project, what would it be? Hmm. Riot Force. So this Riot Force is actually the thing you would take out of your burning house. Like that's the thing. You there would it is. Well, it, it, it lives in the cloud, thankfully. So I, I don't <laughs> okay. have to, uh, <laughs> I Great. mean, you know, maybe the original pages would be a loss, but uh hmm. Well, so at this point, where are you at on the book? How much of it is done? What can people expect? What do you want to plug there? I am this week inking the last three pages of what would be issue eight. So oh, it wow. will okay. be a 275-page story, more or less, uh, when I'm done. And I'm in the, um, I guess, the the mid-240s. Wow. And so where can people about, check out about more? 44 more pages to go? All right. Oh, cool. Getting into the home stretch there. Home yep. stretch. I don't know why I said that like that. <laughs> um, where can people find out more about you or Riot Force? Riotforcecomic.com is the uh is the URL. Also austinmckinley.com. Got a newsletter you can keep up to, for the the latest uh constantly changing um information <laughs> excellent sounds it's, like there's a little fast moving thing <laughs> yeah that's comics baby like i yep, always say yep. on the show uh austin thank you so much for coming on the book is very fun i'm looking forward to seeing yeah. it finished and uh in your hands and in our hands thanks so much for coming on all right there we go once again the book is called riot force that was austin mckinley and you can check it out soon ish from source point press Let's move on to another one. Uh, Taz um, Mechanic is the creator. I announced your name first instead of the book. I'm sorry, so I'll bring you in. Taz Mechanic <laughs> is the creator of Lost Time, a book that's been out for a little while now from Penguin and is a absolutely delightful, wonderful, yeah. all-ages book that is not only a fun adventure, but got me choked up multiple times while I was reading it. So... Uh, darn you for playing with my emotions. For oh, dang, I got you. <laughs> yeah, you did get me. Um, so I, I love this book. I Do you want to give the pitch for it rather than me? I'll, I'll kick it over to you. Uh, sure. Um, yeah. yeah, it's Lost Time. So it's uh, basically about a, a girl who wakes up and she's, she's just in the Cretaceous. She's with dinosaurs. Uh, so she has to basically use her like her wits and stuff to survive. Um, luckily, she runs into like a little egg when she's there, like almost immediately, and that hatches into a big pterosaur, which uh, helps her out on her journey. She names it Ada. The girl is Evie, I guess I should say names. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, basically this big pterosaur, she ends up learning how to ride and they have to fly across the world and find out ways for her to basically contact her parents and get back home or get back in touch with them. Uh, I just wanted to say this is just such a beautiful, uh, I love your art style, the world you create. I want to live there. It's just so <laughs> bright and beautiful. 
Uh, you do such a uh, unbelievable job of taking us to this place and bringing it to life. Uh, I was just so impressed by this. Oh gosh, thank you. <laughs> Well, one of the things on what Pete is saying, uh, thank you again for the statement, Pete. Uh, One of the things on what Pete is saying, I I really appreciated, and maybe I'm totally wrong here, but your devotion to drawing dinosaurs kind of the correct way. At least some of them have feathers. They seem to have like a more modern interpretation of it. How much of it was research and how much was you pushing the envelope in terms of the looks? Oh, gosh. Um, There was definitely a lot of research. I'm a big dino nerd (laughs) for the last few years. I kind of, the story sort of surfaced from that. I just like dove headfirst into like learning about uh, dinosaurs and especially like new research into them. Uh, For this story in particular, um, obviously I did try to base almost everything in a lot of like uh what we know and a lot of like recent research and stuff um but i did kind of in some cases push it a little bit mostly my idea for like my goal for this one wasn't necessarily to be a hundred percent accurate because you never really can and that's going to get outdated in a few years because we're always learning new things it's crazy um but uh I basically wanted it to be kind of like a new spin. Like I wanted kids to like see these dinosaurs and be like, oh, I didn't know like a T-Rex could look like that. And it's not exactly unfounded Mm -hmm. in recent research. That was the one that jumped out to me in particular, where you do introduce this T-Rex character late in the book. And it legitimately took me a second when Evie refers to the character as a T-Rex, I was like, huh, what are they? Oh, right. Okay. That's, <laughs> they have feathers. They don't look like Jurassic Park necessarily. <laughs> um, so I, I thought that was very cool. I was really struck by that. Um, and uh, the looks. Yeah. Pete. I, I was also uh, really struck by the, not only the look of the dinosaurs, but the relationship that she has with uh, Ada is just uh, uh, amazing. Um, it d- what was your inspiration by this? Was there like a movie that you were, or did you have like a, a pet growing up or a pet dinosaur <laughs> growing up? I should ask maybe. Oh, I wish. Um, I mean, I guess I do. I have, a, I had a little bird that's uh-huh. technically a dinosaur, but I had yeah, dogs and stuff growing up. And yeah, I was always a big, a big pet person. Um, oh gosh. I think, I mean, a lot of big inspirations, like how to train your dragon yeah. mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, a big inspiration for me from when I was little was there's these books, uh, Dinotopia, mm, which mm-hmm. is there's like really, really pretty painted books. Admittedly, I'm, I need to reread them because I don't think I really read them as a kid. I mostly <laughs> just looked at the art because I'm sure. like, this art is so gorgeous. I don't want to read the words. That's a lot of words. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know the feeling. Yeah. Um, but they also wrote big pterosaurs in that book. And I remember that always being really striking to me. Uh, One of the things that I thought gave you an interesting challenge, not necessarily an insurmountable challenge because it's a comic book, but other than one character, pretty much every other character is nonverbal. You have these dinosaurs that maybe are making little sounds here and there, but for the most part, obviously they're not talking dinosaurs. So what, what did that involve? Particularly, in terms of, I, I like the fact that you relatively limited Evie's dialogue. I feel like there could be an impulse to overwrite her in a certain way and over describe things. Was that anything you 
struggled with it all? Oh man, you know, not really. Um, mm -hmm. I just, I'm a big, I like to draw characters acting almost more mm -hmm. than I like to draw them talking. So <laughs> for me, this was almost easier to write than making a whole story where everyone's talking all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I just love drawing expressions and like characters. Yeah, that, that really comes across the uh, communication just in the facial stuff that you portray in this is really uh, impressive. The range that uh, is portrayed just by certain looks that we immediately know what uh, they're feeling. It's a, uh, it's really uh, amazing. Did you like, were, was there a certain like uh, kind of like, oh, like an anime style or a manga style that you were maybe trying to, or are you just a big like expressions fan? Uh, I, I mean, I definitely was a big manga reader as yeah. a, as a teen. <laughs> so yeah. that influence is always going to be there, but I just always love drawing expressions. It's like my favorite part of drawing in general. You can make it funny you can make it sad just so easily so it's it's just a, a fun part for me <laughs> cool that comes across for sure uh, we got a question here from youtube Oop, wrong uh, wrong comment sorry <laughs> uh stray beads says what are your thoughts on the primal cartoon have you seen primal? oh i haven't seen it yet but i've okay. been meaning to um it looks really cool <laughs> that's all i can say it looks really yeah, cool i can see why they said that though it's kind of the story of somebody and their their pet dinosaur so yeah <laughs> there you go uh we mentioned this earlier but i really like the decision to not exactly a spoiler because it's literally the first page but start evie off already back in time uh, what led to that decision structurally uh that was um that was kind of always the case, I think. That's how, I think even in the first draft, uh, I just felt like, uh, I just wanted to start in the action, basically, like, uh, and then kind of reveal the backstory throughout the story. Um, I feel like it's just, it, it feels better that way for me. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. And given, uh, without actually getting into spoilers, given that you still have this world open by the end, um, are there plans for more? Or do you feel like you've said what you needed to say with Lost Time? Um, it is pretty complete. Um, it was intended to be kind of like its own its own story. Um, I do, like that said, I do have <laughs> ideas for like future like stories within this sort of universe that I've I've kicked around, but if it depends on whether I'll get to them or not, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, jumping back into the book for a second, I this is always an interesting line I think to walk with any story that's aimed towards all ages or kids or young adults or anything like that in terms of danger for the characters, and you have some moments that. I think there's some legitimate moments of terror or sadness or loneliness. How do you modulate things like that when you're approaching a story like this? Um, gosh, yeah, you know, it's it is hard. And honestly, I, I have to say, there were some points that I even held back that my editor was even like, "No, you can go. <laughs> like, you can go, go for this." And I was like, "Are you sure? Like, I'll, all right, I'll go for it. Like." <laughs> I'll do it. And I mean, I, I, I will go for it if need be, but like, yeah, it is always like, I don't know, this, this is, this is a kid. <laughs> I don't want to like make it too bad for them. Mm -hmm. But um, 
I think it's worth like a character got has to go through like struggles and stuff, even if they're they're a child and this is a kid's thing. But uh, it's worth it in the end for them still. Yeah. Speaking of the kid at all, this is just for me something that I was wondering about by the end of the book. How much time passes over the course of the book? Technically, about two years. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Ooh, that poor kid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was. I, I will again. Won't get into spoilers. I know this has been out for a while, but uh, at at some other point, I will ask you why you put that poor kid through that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's great. Really great book. Yeah, like we're talking amazing. about beautiful art and just a really beautiful story that was very touching. And I think. I don't know. It's the sort of thing that I read it for the show, but I want to give it to my kids because I think it really has a lot to say about kids and parents and how they relate to each other as well. So great, great work. Oh, that's awesome. really like Thank it. you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Taz, anything else you want to plug before we let you go? Oh gosh. Um, I guess the big thing, uh, go to windywallflower.com. That's me and my partner, all the stuff we make. We make a bunch of other comics and stuff too together. <laughs> right. Awesome. We'll definitely get to check that out. Tess, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Take care. All right. All right. There we go. Once again, the book is called Lost Time. It's out now from Penguin. You can get it anywhere and you absolutely pick it up. I really, really love this book. Oh, my God. Um, it's uh, yeah. You're oh. taken to a magical place. Got me and right then there. you're taken on an emotional roller coaster and it's worth it. 100%. Totally agree. Pick that up. Last but not least, we have one more guest for you. He is one of the guys, one of the main guys behind Surviving Comics, yeah. new documentary coming presumably soon or soon-ish, which we'll get into, I'm sure. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Nicklo. Joe, welcome hey, to the show. Hey. How you doing? All right. Uh, How you man, doing? I gotta say, I'm like so excited to see those two young creators. Like People say like kids aren't into comic books anymore. But I think they just uh, proved them wrong. There you go. We we solved it. We saved comics right here on the show. Uh, <laughs> well, Joe, so you have this documentary that you're working on, yeah. which puts together, at least as far as I know, uh, presumably you can talk a little bit more about it. But it, you, yeah. you talk to a bunch of different comic book shop owners about their process. It sounds like from the material and it sounds like from what I've seen versus a lot of the conversation that literally is going on right now in the yeah. comic book community this yes. seems to take a more positive yeah. bent on it and how you've created they've created communities around themselves you're scratching your chin which seems to indicate that i'm wrong but go, no you're right. not wrong <laughs> but it's that's um that's where it started okay so all right okay. i'll just i'll just run it run it through from the start okay. so please last year so i own a video production company it's called driven films and we do mostly motorsports work and we haven't been as busy as we'd like to be in 2023 so instead of just uh you know sitting on our twiddling our thumbs sitting on our butts you know we decided as a group to come up with something that we could do that we're passionate about and we are very passionate about telling stories through video through filmmaking we love doing documentaries, so we decided to do a documentary on something that I hold near and dear, and that is comic books. So basically, I initially came up with the idea or, you know, the concept of honoring the comic book shop, right? You know, telling the story of, of these amazing places that we visit, you know, also the medium, kind of like a little uh, history of the medium itself. And then we quickly learned after interviewing just these uh 
first batch of shops that the industry is not in as good of a place as we thought hmm. from the outside perspective. So now it's turned into, you know, more of an investigation into why is the industry not doing well at the moment? So that's where we're at. So we want to, you know, not only honor and celebrate comic book shops, but we also want to discuss, like, how can we help comics survive? Hmm. Well, let's talk about that a little bit then, because like I indicated, there's been a lot of different conversations in a lot of different directions lately oh, about yeah. mm -hmm. the comic book industry dying, whether it is or it is not. We talked, we had Ed Burbaker on the show last week and talked to him about it a little bit. And his estimation is there are problems in the world of DC and Marvel, but elsewhere, yeah. maybe not quite in the same way. What's your take on that in particular? I'll lay it right there on the line is that you know what we've been told is that marvel and dc don't care and it's like you like you just said you know like the the independents seem to be doing things right the smaller publishers seem to be doing things right but you know we're starting to see more of um a little bit of a narrative based on just corporate greed i know it's cliche but it just seems to be that you know marvel and dc just are not listening to not only the shop owners but also the fans the the readers the collectors you know putting out all these variants you know multiple exclusives uh raising prices like you know my personal pull list has diminished because i can't afford you know a dozen six dollar books or five dollar mm. books whatever it is and it's unfortunate because there are a lot of good stories out there right now mm -hmm. despite what people are saying um you know out of the hundreds and hundreds of books that we see on the walls every week at a comic book shop they're not all bad no matter what anyone <laughs> says so there's a lot of good stuff and i unfortunately can't read it all i can't buy it all because I can't afford it and i know i'm not the only one so there's a lot a lot going on and i to answer your question this is like a long-winded answer yeah it is it does seem to be and for what we're hearing it is mainly marvel and dc which is unfortunate <laughs> Uh, can you talk a little bit about how you chose these comic book shops? Were these local comic book shops yeah. that you went to and loved? Were yeah, they like, was there outreach? How did you approach these initial ones in particular? So I, I guess we could start with the first one, which was Blackbird Comics and Coffee House. And you know, when you're when you're you have no proof of concept and you're just going into it with just an email, right? You don't even have a logo yet. Didn't even have a full name for the documentary yet um we were thankfully welcomed into their their home because their comic shop is their home it's a husband and wife and um candace and dave and an amazing shop and i'd never been there before right but an amazing shop it's a comic shop slash coffee house they've got a section for vinyl records and their coffee shop is like amazing they've got like stuff that makes starbucks look like silly it's so good. Um, really good comic selection as well. They're very reader centric, right? Like I honestly wish I lived near them. Like I, that would be my, my shop, right? Mm -hmm. um, sorry for everyone else, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm cheating on you. But to answer your question, no, I didn't have like a favorite shop because I just am kind of new to my area and I don't have a shop. I do now, but I did not have a shop that I was frequenting. Uh, in fact, a lot of the shops that I grew up at, they're gone, you know, grew up going to, they're no longer around. So I didn't have any connection. So going into it, my, our goal, uh, my goal as the director was to find shops that 
are interesting visually, right? They look great, um, but also that the owners have a story to tell. So we interviewed the owner of Florida's oldest comic shop. Uh, his name is George, and his shop is A&M Comics in Miami, Florida. Uh, we interviewed George because it's an older shop, right? Um, I think he's got a lot of industry insight. We also uh, spoke to Cliff Biggers, who owns Dr. No's Comics and Games in Marietta, Georgia. And the reason we spoke to Cliff is he's actually the, uh, was the longtime editor of a very well-known, I'm sorry, I forgot the name of it. It's on tip my tongue, but a newsletter that he's been publishing since the eighties. Wow. And basically if um, like we were gonna talk about a comic historian, like Cliff is the guy, right? Very, very well known in the industry, very, um, very well versed. We also spoke to uh, interview the owner of St. Mark's that, Comics. Comic right. Shop News. Somebody just commented. I just want to correct. Say, yes, Comic, comic shop, shop News. Thank you. <laughs> so yes. Um, so then uh, St. Mark's. Derek? Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> no, Pete just keeps interrupting. I'm uh, super long-winded. Main... I'm no, 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 it's fine. Uh, Derek Mainhart said Comic Shop News. You were saying you talked to St. Mark's Comics, which is now actually not to dox myself, but like two blocks away from me. So I go. That's there awesome. Pretty, yeah, regularly with yeah. my kids. Tell Mitch I said hello. That's an awesome I shop, will. by the way. Yeah, yeah. That's a great shop. The, um, they got I've a very never... nice upgrade, surprisingly, when they yes, moved away uh, from St. Mark's, which is yeah. kind of crazy. But the the whole story was uh, was a very interesting story that that you know Mitch told us, and it was great to hear. And, but, you know, the more and more we talk, right, we, we talk to shop owners and we find that, you know, the industry is not doing great. And that's kind of where we're going. We, um, with the next set of, you know, shops we interview, right, we're actually scheduled, we're working on the schedule with another shop, Coliseum of Comics, Phil Boyle, which I think someone uh, may know of the open letter that he just wrote to Marvel in DC. I believe it's oh, a hot wow. topic. I think it was on Bleeding Cool. But he's actually an owner of um, several comic shops called Coliseum of Comics here in Florida. So I guess a very long-winded answer is that there's no like reason, personal reason why I went after these shops. It's more of a, where the story is, right? We get a lot of emails and DMs saying, hey, we want to be in your documentary, but it's um, unfortunate. Like we can't like talk to everybody, right? We want to go after the stories. Um, there are a few shops that we do want to speak to, but uh, I'm not going to put them on blast on. Uh, yeah, don't. On yeah, don't. <laughs> no, no, no spoilers, we're working on them. Spoilers. We're working um, on it. <laughs> I, I have a bunch of different questions to ask you, but I just want to ask you sort of like a logistical production question at this point without getting into yeah. specifics about the shops. But there's a lot of different directions you could potentially go in here I, yeah. for anybody yeah. who's just listening and hasn't seen the video footage. I'll mention you have some very nice, well-lit setups. Thank of you. the folks sitting in the middle of the shots they look really good um you have you know some cut-ins of them looking through the comics and talking them through the stacks and everything yeah, but yeah. i could see this is the sort of thing you could talk to customers you could go and talk to the comic book yeah. companies you can add to conventions there's so many different directions you could go yes. in where else does this need to go and where does it need to hold it so we are working on some stuff with megacon which is coming up it's a hometown convention for me it's not too far so just waiting on final media approval so we can go to the convention get that we do want to speak to collectors who have been in you know collecting and reading and you know for a long time who have a story to tell right because 
the story that we're trying to tell is why are comics important? Why are comic sh shops struggling? How can we help them? That's the story, right? So it's kind of like, you know, an up, a down, and a back up. And so we want to talk to shop owners. We want to talk to, we would love to talk to people, the creators. We'd love mm -hmm. to talk to some writers, uh, some artists, like basically people who have skin in the game. But we're open to talking to interviewing everyone. We actually um, are speaking to a whatnot seller. We're interviewing hmm. so soon because that's part of the industry too. That's mm -hmm. technically part of comic book retail, right? So yeah, I mean, we are we are actively working on a lot of different things, getting a lot of um, yeah creators, yeah. And are you? I mean, this is not to give you prompts, but are you going to be talking to Diamond and Lunar as well as that part of the goal? Or is that NCG, too far? And, and CGC and yeah. yeah. Um, oh wow! That that is um, CGC. We're gonna we've we've approached them. We haven't heard back yet, but yeah, we are really trying to make this as we're trying to take it as far as we can. The yeah. you know the goalpost is Netflix. You know, oh. in terms of quality and and um, you know story, I think we're there. I definitely feel confident that we can get it. You know, we can get it on a streaming platform. Hmm. So. Is it is it hard where you got to decide who to listen to and who not to because you know <laughs> someone might watch that trailer and say look at that person flipping through a comic without gloves on that's a slap yeah. in my face. Oh. <laughs> uh, Nobody specific would say that. Yeah, uh, I'm just saying so, like how do you you know like yeah. So uh, I just put it this way I I just need to I think once we're funded I'm going to hire someone just to take care of the comments and social media because I, I I get too attached and I just like like someone will say something nasty that I don't necessarily agree with. And I'll, I might take it not, not about the work, not about our work. I I'm very thick, thick skinned when it comes to our work, but I'll defend that person who's not wearing gloves. I'll be like, well, it's not your comic, you know, it's, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's uh, you know, and he knows what he's doing, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, whatever, you know, but um, yeah, basically um. I'm sorry, we're, uh, we are listening to a lot of different things. We're seeing a lot of different opinions, um, a lot of different... You well, know, actually, yeah, this, this, sorry to interrupt, Pete. This actually no ties into a question we got here on YouTube. Were there opinions from different store owners that seem to be diametrically opposed? 100%. 100%. A lot of different opinions. Um, and I think that's, that's the beauty of the industry and our, our hobby is that you know, like everyone can have different opinions as human beings. Like we all have different thoughts. We all like different things. You may love the new Batman. I can't stand it. Right. The current Batman book. But on the other hand, like you may hate the current Transformers book that's out now. And I love it. Right. Yeah. We all have different opinions. And I think that's uh, going to make the documentary stronger hearing these different opinions. We're, we're definitely one of the biggest things was like the graded versus non graded, right? Mm -hmm. Slabbing, yeah. not slabbing. That's like such a hot topic. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, definitely, I see the, I see the comments. We absolutely are hearing different opinions. Cool. Um, I do want to ask you about this, and I know this is like a hot button subject, but part of the discussion that's going on right now, again, for anybody who's listening, who's not aware, um, Many different aspects to this, but recently there was a comic shop owner out of Massachusetts. A little snippet yes. of a rant that he made got put online. It got picked up by Mark Millar, who put him on a YouTube show. I believe 
yeah. right now competing. This is crazy that Mark Millar would do a competing YouTube show with our YouTube show. That's like <laughs> mild to me. Uh, but he's, I believe, talking to some retailers right now as well. This has gotten very caught up with the comic skate community, um, which is, I, I'll, I'll say, toxic, I think. Yeah. Uh, is that anything that you've touched on? Is that anything that's come up while you've been talking to comic shop owners? And is that anything that you're going to be trying to address at all? It's not come up at all. Okay. It's never once come up. Um, I'm assuming you're, you're referring, I know who you're referring to. I do assume that you're referring to in particular the, the woke comments, like wokeness mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, we haven't heard anything. And mm -hmm. again, we've been talking to shop owners who have owned their shops three of them let's see four three of them have owned their shops four of them have owned their shops longer than i've been alive <laughs> so you know i mean we're talking people who are I'm, I'm 40 years old and these guys have been in the industry for a long long time and uh it hasn't come up and it's mm -hmm. not i don't think it's not come up because it's not a problem per se um it's something that we are probably going to talk about but oh man it's it's so it's it's tough to really talk yeah, about this this is to know? be clear like i'm not trying to put you on the spot not at all, at all or I'm hold just, you down to anything but it's the yeah. sort of thing that like <laughs> it's from my this is my opinion not to be like hey I, i'm this is what you got to do with your doc but yeah it's it's a it's an intrinsic part of yeah. one of the problems with the comic book industry right now. But I can see from the perspective of documentary, you can't yeah. just be like, and here's two minutes on comic skate. Now back to what we yeah. were talking about. And you're not going to be giving it the proper time that it deserves, but also to ignore it at the yeah. same time is tough to do. So, you know, just as a, as a, a filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker, I don't want to make anyone look bad. Um, there, there are documentaries out there. I don't know if you guys follow formula one at all, racing but you know there was a documentary show uh called drive to survive and mm -hmm. they paint certain drivers to be villains and to the point where that driver these drivers don't want to be on the show and they had to like come up with a deal to appear on the show in later seasons so there comes as a documentary filmmaker there is a um there's a fine line you have to walk between entertainment and informative and you still have to maintain your journalistic integrity and that's something that we really want to do is we don't want to make anyone look bad, right? We don't get me wrong. Like there are things that have been said that you're like, oh crap, that would be really good if we spin it a certain way. And like, if we mm -hmm. edit it, like, oh, this guy says he hates slabs. And then this guy says uh, anyone who likes slabs is an idiot. You know, like we can edit <laughs> that together and make that so interesting. We don't want to do that. So um, I, I'm in, I'm in talks with my co-director, Danny, about, that whole topic because it is it it's blowing up even more so right now but i will say on a personal level i personally don't care what anyone does with their life but i will say the negativity is hurting the industry mm -hmm. in, uh, in, in what direction do you mean a lot of a lot of hate there's a lot of hate um which is unfortunate and i think um there's also a lot of um, things being blown out of proportion, in my opinion, just my personal opinion. But, um, you know, I, like I said, I, I said earlier, like if you look on a wall of comics every week, there's hundreds and hundreds of comics. 
And if you can't pick out five books on that wall that are good comics, then you're not looking hard enough. Yeah. So totally yeah. 100% agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Did, did I cut you off, Pete? Not at all. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Pete. Okay. Um, well, talk about the next steps for this documentary then to yes, sir. Out this topic for so, a second. Yeah. Yeah. So we're currently in uh, the pre-launch of our crowdfunding campaign because right now everything has been um, out of my pocket and producing a documentary at this level is expensive. Uh, we have a crew, we have, um, yeah. you know, expenses. We have to eventually pay licensing. I am sure of it. I'm sure there's going to be something that pops up. Um, and we want to make this the best we possibly can. We want to get this as far as we can, you know, which means getting it into film festivals and film festivals cost money. Yeah. So next we're currently in the pre-launch of our crowdfunding stage. We're doing some, uh, organic social media promotions. We're doing a giveaway right now. It's actually live. Uh, it's for a graded copy of Spider-Man number one, Todd McFarlane. So it's on our oh, Instagram. Wow. So we're doing giveaways and all sorts of stuff. Um, and then we launch our campaign on Indiegogo, I think January 6th. If I awesome. And yeah. That is very exciting. Um, I'm very excited to follow this. I'm excited to see how this all comes together. I mean, I will say from probably nowhere near as strong as you, but coming from a mm -hmm. video production background, it was nice to, yeah. when you sent us this pitch, being like, all right, I guess I'll watch this trailer. And I was like, oh, this <laughs> looks good. Oh, they shot it well. Oh, that's so exciting. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So. Um, I'm very proud of the team. Like we're, the guys are killing it. You know, everyone from my co-director, Danny, uh, my buddy, Matt, who's a great cinematographer, uh, Loxley, everyone who's been on it, Andy, AJ, like the whole team is phenomenal. And I can't wait to see like, once we get them, get some funding, like what we could really produce and where we can go. We want to go to the West coast. We want to go to Texas. Uh, we've got stuff. We got a long list of people we want to talk to. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, you got my local store, so you're good. You can wrap up shop now. You, you've got the <laughs> one important right. one. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for chatting. Uh, yeah, absolute no pleasure. I'm really looking forward to this project. Thank you very much. Take right. care. Thanks, Joe. Have a good day. All right. There we go. Once again, that is Surviving Comics. It was Joe Nicolo. And you can check that out very soon. A little less than a month at this point over on yeah. Indiegogo. And like Definitely we said, worth if, checking out the trailer. It's very cool. Yeah, for sure. Like we said, it's a really, really good looking project. And I think based on what he's saying, something really worth supporting. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, there's nothing better than going to like a new place, checking out their comic book shop. Oh, it's awesome. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kids series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. And the only thing more awesome is our next section, because you all make it up. It is your audience questions. And... Gotta do is drop a question in the comments 
over on YouTube or Facebook or Twitch, not Twitter slash X, because that platform is a total garbage fire. Pete, what are you drinking tonight? Um, I, I should mention Stray Bullet, who coordinates our cocktails every week or designs a cocktail. He put up an amazing sounding recipe for his eggnog. I believe he did it last year as well. Wow, there's nothing sounds- like some nog. Oh my God. His eggnog sounds absolutely amazing. It's a huge batch of it though. So I think I'm off from work next week. I'm going to make some eggnog and then I'm going to be schnockered all week long. Uh, I thought you were going to say, uh, I'm off work. I'm going to go down and visit him and drink my way through that tub of nog. <laughs> I'm going to go d- fly down to New Orleans. Go, go to, to New home, Orleans. Like Garfield style. <laughs> drink a tub of nog and then yeah. fly right home. Uh, I mean, it would be worth it. It would be worth it. <laughs> what are you drinking, Pete? Uh, I'm drinking some light. You know what I mean? Uh, mm. Yeah, just some uh, what's left in the fridge beers. Nice. I am uh, drinking a Manhattan tonight. That's it. Oh. It's nice and simple, but it's good. Nice to go back to the basics. We got a question here from Derek. Says, Pete, could you walk us through your wall? Classic uh, turnabout. Classic oh. turnabout. Um yeah, these are uh, my comic books, uh, my comic book collection here. Uh, I got Murder Falcon here. Uh, nice. I got a little Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle artwork. Uh, that's the last uh, Calvin and Hobbes uh, uh, panel ever published. That was the last one oh, before wow. he stopped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's uh, That was gifted to me uh, by our lovely... Uh, uh, supporters on my birthday a while ago. Uh, it's a panel from Murder Falcon. Uh, that's my arse face. Uh, Funko Pop. Um, awesome. And then oh, I, got I should Wol- mention Wolverine right here. And then should uh, I mention the Funko Joe. Pops that I got today, Pete? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, I got a package from Funko, which was very nice. They were like, Thank you for supporting us over the course of the year. Um, so they sent me a Western Ken from the movie Barbie. Very exciting. They also sent me a President Barbie from the movie Barbie, you know, and I I don't know. I haven't checked, but I believe if you press the back, she says the Godfather. And then uh, to complete complete the set of the three, they sent me Mewtwo from Pokemon. Pokemon. Who was, I think, also in the Barbie movie, if I remember correctly. I got you, Mom. Yeah. Weird, weird, uh, weird group of three things, but very nice. All of them. It's good. Uh, we got a couple of other questions here. This is from Kevin. The most dreamlike question I think we've ever gotten on the show. What are your childhood imaginings that you'd want to turn into comics? Well, uh, I used to, when I was a little kid, I used to uh, draw my own comic. And uh, it, was, um, it was about a little short kid named Pee Wee. Okay. Who could uh, use his helicopter hat to fly and punch people who were mean to him in the face? Hmm. I used to draw a little character called Super Buggy. It was huh. a tiny little bug. Uh, and he was just a couple of simple little lines. I bet I could probably draw him right now if I had to. But oh, wow. There you go. He was just a sad little bug guy. And he'd go around to do his bug thing. So there you go. Wow, Two fun. pitches for you. This is from Surviving Comics. What books are you looking forward to the most in 2024? Pete, got any oh, 2024 geez. books you're excited about? Uh, I'll mention one while you're thinking. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm pretty psyched for 
the stuff coming out from Marvel, actually, in the first bunch of the year. The Ultimate line is interesting. I don't know how good it's going to be or how bad it's going to be, but Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate Black Panther, Ultimate X-Men from Peach Momoko seems like a wild swing to me, so I'm really curious about that. And then also all the X-Men end of Krakoa stuck. Very curious to see how that's going to wrap up and what's next. Yeah, I'm looking forward to what X-Men are doing new and different in 2024. Like, whatever, mm -hmm. let's get past this and get on with some new shit. So that's what I'm looking forward to in 2024. I'm also looking forward to just, just to be an asshole, what DC's got coming out. I've been loving a lot of well, DC books that, lately, that was the other so. thing that I was going to say is I've been seeing this popping around a lot. I have no idea what it is. But there is rumblings that DC is going to do something like potentially game changing, potentially just like something entirely different and unexpected, probably by the end of the year, maybe in 2025. But every time I've seen any sort of discussion written up online about like exactly what we we're talking about earlier in the show about how DC and Marvel really need some shaking up. Some insider is like, well, there is what's going to happen at DC, dot, dot, dot. So, oh, man, I don't know what that means. I have no speculation about it, but I'm very curious. Because, well, because I do think that, like, DC has been trying some really interesting things lately. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, this is from Edward. Is Pete in his bunker? Uh, it's my attic, but kind of. <laughs> Uh, great. This is from David. What movie would make for a good comic adaptation? Hmm. Hmm. The Matrix. <laughs> wow. You did it. I, I... <laughs> uh, great. I don't know. What else? Other movies? Uh, Pete, you love those Minions movies, right? Would you want to see oh, that as a comic? Man. Yeah, yeah. Minions comics where there's no real words. It's just all... Uh... Da -na -na. Yeah, that would be yep. fun. Uh, never ending story comic. Maybe that's already happened. You know what? This is like back in the day. I think this movie came out, I want to say in 2010 or something like that. What if they made a comic out of Scott Pilgrim versus the world? Do you remember that movie? No. With Come Michael Sarah? Crazy. The guy from uh, Superbad. Hmm. I think that would be fun. I don't know. That's a crazy idea. Um. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. I want a, uh, oh God, what was that Kevin Bacon movie? It was like Silver Streak or something where he was like this delivery guy on uh, on his bicycle in New York City. And he had like his rival, like bike gang was Lawrence. <laughs> I Fishburne. kind of know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, it was like a great 80s movie. Like his girlfriend's a ballerina. They live in a warehouse in New York City and he rides a bike <laughs> while she dances. It's uh -huh. fucking hysterical. Quicksilver, that's what it is. Uh, great idea. Edward says, what titles for the last five to eight years will be reread in 20 to 30 years? I gotta say a lot of them. I all think. of them? All, every single one. No, legitimately, I know we've been saying this a lot on the show, but conversely to this, all this comics are dead talk. Non-Marvel and DC comics are probably the best, they, best they've ever been like, any comic image puts out i'm i'm there i'm like yep yeah i'm gonna so, read this i mean in terms of new classics like just off the top of my head a lot of james tyne and the fourth stuff 
is completely breaking through. Like World Tree has been dominating in terms of sales. Something is killing the children is also dominating in terms of sales. The Deviant had a big pop there. For free comic book day, I think it's Boom Studios is putting out the worlds of James Tide of the Fourth, which is when you know somebody has made it as a creator just on their own name. Yeah. So I think look at any of his titles would be the short answer I would give. Uh, this is from Stray Bullet. Pete, can you walk us through each issue in the boxes behind you, please? <laughs> we don't have that kind of time, man. Those are packed. Um, yeah. What was what sucks is like I uh, wanted to store these all in chronological. Mm. These are all comics from the stack. Ooh, oh yeah. man. So, like, you know, I was that's our but, archive. You have, I mailed them to my father because uh, there's no storage space in New York City and he alphabetized them. So, that's a, that's a good dad. Yeah, it's a great dad. <laughs> he, al- he also hand writ every comic and, uh, you know, so I got like a folder full of just like, oh it's God, ridiculous. Uh, but, can your dad do that for me? Because my <laughs> shelves are a mess. Yeah. Um, yeah, my dad had a, a a Babe Ruth card, and he had it in his basement, and his basement flooded. So he's been like super nice about me collecting comics because I feel like he felt like he got gypped as a kid. So he kind of looked out for me like that. Uh, this is oh a, wait, yes. I'm Request. sorry. I, I uh, there's the corrections that I have that I keep forgetting. Oh, that's right. Wait, do we want to get to that first? No, that's all right. Okay, uh, Derek says, could you hold I up? already did that while you, you were talking to oh, something sorry. else. Yeah, it's all right. Okay, well, wait, well, let's get to the corrections then before we get to the rest of the... I, I forgot to bring that up. You had a correction from the previous audience? Yeah, questions? from uh, when I was on last and someone asked me, um, because Justin's mom listens, so now my mom listens to the show. <laughs> so, um... And just to uh, finish the triptych there, my mom asked me the other day, like, What's that pod? You do a podcast? You do a what podcast? What what do you do? What is that? I was like, all right. I've explained this several times. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, uh, so now my mom listens to the show and has a correction. Someone asked me how my Thanksgiving was, and I had mentioned the the pie that I had that uh, uh she makes and she's taught me how to make um uh, and I said it was a chocolate pecan pie, which is what I say when people ask me, because what it actually is, is a little different sounding, but people know what a chocolate pecan pie is. So when you say that, they're like, oh, but what it actually is, is a pile of shit, right? In a pad. No, it's a, oh. that's not very nice. It's a, uh, chocolate bourbon walnut pie. And Ooh. I was like, Mom, okay. who who cares? What's the difference? No, and she was I like, can't. How dare you? There are famous chefs who listen to your show. I <laughs> I gotta say, Pete, I'm gonna side with your mom here. I know I just made a very off-color joke about it, but chocolate bourbon walnut pie sounds real good. It's phenomenal. It's like Ooh. my favorite okay. thing to eat. Uh, that that's great. I wish anybody else in my family ate nuts because I would make that in a second. But that sounds delightful. Tell you what, your dad can, and mom can come over to my house. She can make me a pie. He can alphabetize <laughs> my comics. We'll have a very nice dad. Oh yeah. Uh, here we go. This is <laughs> Edward says. How come no? 
There's no photos of your family or friends. I assume this is not the only room in your house at this point. That's true. I do have a photo. I do have a photo of the three of us. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, my God. It just <laughs> fell it just fell over. Okay. Oh, it just fell over. It oh, did. It did. I, I just picked up a box and moved it. <laughs> Uh, while you're finding that, Michael Tillman says, well, Walter, talk to me. And he's how do you organize your books? I think we said that. It's chronologically thanks to your dad. Um, oh, yay. I remember that. Yeah. That was My... at the Avengers. I don't remember the exact name of the thing, but it was the, like, be an Avenger experience thing. Yeah. What's hilarious is this is the day that I realized you have to iron your pants. <laughs> like people are always like, oh yeah, you should iron your mm-hmm. pants. And I was like, oh, you know, if you like hang them up, you know, treat them right. And this, if you look closely at this photo, my khaki pants are ridiculous. And from then on, I iron my, uh, iron my we learned important lessons that day for anybody listening. I think we have a podcast version of this up. We hosted a show at this Avengers experience that traveled around, I believe, but yeah. it was in like near Times Square. And yeah, you can walk through Avengers and get your station. shield ID and take your yeah. picture with the various members of the Avengers. And they set out a space in the lobby and we interviewed him. It was very fun, fun night. It was a fun day, yeah. Nelson Kelso says, have you guys had a chance to watch Merry Little Batman? Pete, have you watched Merry Little Batman yet on Prime Video? No, I have not checked oh. out Merry Little Oh, Batman. I meant to text you or ask you about this because Luke Wilson as Nelson mentions, did the voice of Batman. Oh my God, I cannot wait to watch this. And the question here is, since Luke Wilson did the voice of Batman and Alex does a, I believe he says excellent Luke Wilson impression, does this mean Alex is the future voice of Batman? Wow. Yeah. Well, let's hope not. Oh, wow. I'm the Dark Knight. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's very cute. It was, uh, oh my God, I'm totally blanking his name. I think it's Morgan Evans uh, who wrote the movie Who's an old like UCB pit guy? Oh, really? Um, I worked with him at MTV as well. Um, yeah, it's very, very cute, very funny. How long is it? It's an hour and a half, which okay. I will say, nothing against Morgan, but it's like it feels like a 45 minute special that occasionally is. Yeah, I, I would say like, it looked like, but it's very cute, very sweet, and there's some good emotional beats as well. So, very worth watching. I watched it with the kids, we had a nice time. This is from Will. What do you all think about Invincible versus Superbad? I don't know if this is based on anything. I guess who do you think would win in a fight? Invincible or Superbad? Gotta feel like Superman would win that, right? I mean, Invincible, if had, Invincible had Kryptonite, like... I guess Invincible would always gets beat, gets the shit beat out of him, so... Yeah. Omni-Man versus Superman? I don't know. Invincible versus Superman, Invincible loses. But but Superman would be like, why are you doing this, kid? Let's talk it out. Easy Reader says, what do you want for Christmas, Pete? Uh, Jeez, I don't even... uh, I want a a house that uh, works better is what I would... (laughs) I'm buried in ridiculous uh, projects over here. Hmm. Uh, Edward Doherty says another universe reboot great idea DC I do want to clarify this is referring to the thing I was saying earlier about what DC is cooking up Mm -hmm. again I have no idea what it is but the way everybody is talking about it I think if they were doing like a super infinite crisis or something they would not be talking about it this way I think 
it's a publishing plan or something different along those lines that they're going to be doing. Like, I, I don't remember whether we talked about it here on the live show, but DC in June is going to be launching these soft cover versions of some of their best-selling graphic novels for $9.99. So you get like all of Watchmen for $9.99 or uh, all of Far Sector for $9.99. And they're supposed to be really well-printed, good quality stuff. I think DC is really trying things. Like they're looking at the rest of the market. They're doing exactly what we've been talking about. They're not just looking at like, what is Marvel doing? What are we doing? Back and forth, back and forth. They're being like, in order to survive we need to look at what is happening in the world of book publishing as a whole. That includes manga. They've been putting out a lot of interesting, fun manga stuff recently. That's in terms of like soft covers. People are more likely to buy a dog man than they are a Superman, you know, to make that comparison. So like they're looking at what is working and what mm-hmm. is selling and figuring out how can we do that? How can we experiment with that? Because we have these rosters of characters. This would be purely speculating, but again, just to clarify, like the way everybody is talking about it, I think they would be very down on it if it was just a universe reboot. The implication is maybe it's something bigger or different that we're not expecting. But you know so. what I don't understand that they don't do is just take like those art Belfazar tiny titans things and just animate that and like mm-hmm. I feel like that would kill it for a kid's show. I, I agree. I don't know if that will necessarily revitalize comic book shops, but it will. Trust uh, me. Okay. When you take over GC, man. All right, great. Joshua Wright says, you're in, a review, you're in review. Which books or runs did you enjoy the most in 2023? Now, you guys haven't gotten back to my email, but I think the plan is the last live show of the year. When you We're say gonna, you guys and you're talking to me, what what a, I mean, both you and Justin, neither of you have gotten back to my email that I sent several weeks back. Uh, but I believe the plan, as long as we're all here and available, is to do our best of the year on the last show of the year, like we did last year. Does that sound good, Pete? Can I sure. verbally hold you to it right now? Yeah, why not? Okay. <laughs> Very noncommittal. Um, great. Let's see. Ooh, we got a lot of things here. Uh, answer your wants... question. We'll, we'll get back to you. We'll work on Yes, we'll, we'll get, get back, back to you. Put a pin in that one. Have you ever laid the boxes flat and slept on top of them? Hmm. I've no, I respect the comics too much to try to do anything like that. Uh, can we have Pete's mom tailor a pie for next week's guests? <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Stanley says, have you ever been to Times Square for New Year's Eve? I assume New Year's Eve and not just like it's general in New Year's. Pete, you're making a face. You've never done it? No, I would never. You couldn't pay me to do that. So not only did I do that with You lived there. I lived there uh, for two years. I think it was like a year and a half. I think we were there for two New Year's at least. We were two questions. Yeah. Hi, what's up? Can um, I just finish up one thing first? Sure. So we lived in a duplex apartment with basement and first floor, and we didn't go to Times Square when we were living there, but we could hear people chanting, chanting the countdown, which was very fun. And then we'd be like, all right, we're going to go sleep in the basement. That's where we slept. And we would go downstairs, and there would just be people tramping by our basement window for hours after that. So honestly, very fun. What's your question? Uh, but you said you have gone. 
you have done it. Yes. So my question to you is, at what point when you're just standing out on the street and, you know, like snipers are pointing at you, uh, that you think this is the fun part? Like, uh, is it just standing next to Cranbourne? Well, next to so people, it was in it like- college. Mm-hmm. I was with mm-hmm. friends from high school that we were all like, oh, my God, let's go to Times Square New Year's Eve. And we were. And you were like, oh, that's a great idea. We were very drunk, Pete. (laughs) And at a certain point, here's the thing about it for anybody who's never done it. So first of all, you have to get there crazy early. I think just stand there. You're just standing. We, I don't remember the exact timing, but I believe like we got into the city at like six or seven. We got off at Penn station because we lived on long Island, got off and we walked up and we're like, okay, we'll just, you know, pop into Times square. And basically they were closing off every single block successively. So we'd get to a block. They'd be like, Nope, we got to go to the next one. And by the time we got there, they'd close off the next block. So we ended up at around Times square for anybody who doesn't know who's listening is at 42nd street. We were at like 54th street or something where if you're looking down, if it's clear, you can still see the ball and everything from that point. But at around eight o'clock, four hours before the ball drops, we were like, well, just standing here. But as it got closer, people started to push and break through barricades and just like get closer and closer to Times Square. So I think we ended up totally crushed in at around, I don't know, I want to say 47th Street or something like that. But I had to use the bathroom from around I don't know, 9.30 odd, it was painful. <laughs> Had a great time. Everybody's got to do it once. Like, how do you have, how are you just drinking? We brought a, but everybody had stowed a bottle of champagne and we were just like passing it around and had so much champagne and just kept going. It was a very nice time. I, I look back on it fondly. Nothing about that says to me nice time. It was great. I'm I was in so you... much pain and I was so drunk and I felt horrible the next day. Everybody has to do it once. Samurai says, need me some Alex Justin and Pete weekly show talking comics live Q&A, etc. Missing the old days. Yes, absolutely. Um, we have just been, the schedule is all over the place, but yeah. by the end of the month, we absolutely will. Uh, Kevin says, is that Luke or Owen in relation to my Wilson impression? The answer is yes. Uh, and then, <laughs> this is from Will. I heard Marvel might do a solo Hulk movie. What storyline would you all want to see? There's always been so much confusion about the rights to Hulk, but that is the most recent rumor that they finally have the rights back. The other rumor is that Captain America 4 is essentially a World War Hulk movie for whatever reason, but what would you want to see at this point? What would you want to see as a solo Hulk movie storyline? Love at the heart of an atom. It's one of my favorite uh, storylines. It's kind of one of the first things that I loved about the Hulk. It's when he shrinks down, falls Mm -hmm. in love with the princess. And uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a lovely story. I don't think they'd ever do this, but if they want to do like a mortal Hulk or the current film Kennedy Johnson run, do just like a straight up balls to the wall horror movie with the Hulk, that would be totally different. And I think very exciting and interesting. 
This is uh, from Samurai as well. Do you know what happened to Cassidy? You saw the upcoming X-Force cover that went viral on social. For anybody who didn't see this, we did cover this on the Comic Book Club News Podcast. But John Cassidy did a variant cover for X-Force 48. And um, it, it looks bad. Uh, it is, there's some, it's Wolverine standing in front of Beast, who's hovering in the background, just his head. Beast seems to be both in profile and his jaw facing forward at the same time. Wolverine is short, but not in a good way. He seems scrunched, kind of. Um, so a lot of people have been dunking on it, including professionals, which I will say I don't love that. I don't like people dunking on him. Um, maybe he tried something. Maybe it went wrong. Maybe... I don't know. There was a lot of flap about the Frank Miller Marvel covers as well. So maybe there's an editor over there that's pushing people in different directions, but I don't think it looks good. Uh, have you seen it, Pete? No, I haven't. Hmm. All right. Well, there I you blame go. Jordan D. White. <laughs> I would not do that at all. Um, did you ever go to Tim Watley's apartment for Thanksgiving? I have no idea what that is in reference to. Pete, do you know? No. Mm. The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. Yes, absolutely. Just do a remake of the movie. Uh, Derek says, was the Cassidy cover a parody of the Millar co Miller covers? Not Millar covers. Maybe. I don't know. It just doesn't look good. It's a real, it's a real bummer. Artists change over time. I don't know. Sometimes they lose it. But I feel like, if anything, it's more of a failure of editorial to put out a cover that just looks bad because it reflects badly on marvel or reflects badly on the artist i don't know what the contracts are like maybe they're obligated to put it out but it's a real bummer and on that bummer note why don't we end our audience questions and kick it over to our next section which is trivia and for that we're going to turn it over to beat the page all right it what yeah, you faded out for a second. Oh, I did. Oh no. Yeah. Um, right. Sorry about that. Was, I didn't mean to fade out. Um, hey, it's a part where we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win twenty-five free dollars in the form of gift card to Midtown Comics or Long John Silver's for some reason. Uh, Ooh, we got a uh, hand pink waving from Easy Reader. All right. Yeah, Easy Reader got it. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, here we go. You ready, Pete? You ready, yep. easy reader? Take okay. away in the comments. All right, here we go. Today's trivia is on fun comic book facts and a small nod to the legend Francis Strenhagen. R.I.P. Sternhagen, right? Strenhagen? Is it Strenhagen or Sternhagen? Hmm. Do we have a Berenstein Bears? Thing going on here? I think, so. I think so. I think we do. Uh, please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. Dr. Doom once called Spider-Man a peasant for using what? Was it A, the door when entering a room, B, his feet for walking, or is it C, Woody Harrelson? Easy reader pre-guessed A. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Next question, Pete. Great. Question number two. In the comic, 
Who did Black Panther slap in the face during Civil War? Was it A, Tony Stark, B, racism, or C, George Hamilton? Ooh. Uh, Kevin, by the way, is guessing you're going for Cheers. Are you going for Cheers, Pete? Nope. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, Robin? A. a. You got an A. A is, a is correct. All right, here we, we go. go. Last one. Who said this line in the comics? Don't mess with me, lady. I've been drinking with skeletons. Was it A, Wolverine, B, Hellboy, or C, Bridget Fonda? Mm. I will say Bridget Fonda did say that once in real life. Hmm. So I don't know if that counts. Doesn't count. I okay. say in comics in the question. Oh, sorry about that. So... Oh, Kevin has a guess here. We'll get to that yeah, in a second. He, got, he nailed it. He nailed it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll see if Easy Reader comes up with A again. I'm no, it's B. Oh, it's B. That's well, right. We'll see if he says B now that we've said B. Yeah. Let's assume that he did. Yeah, Let's he su- did. Yay. Yay. Incredible. Uh, now, Easy Reader, just hit us up on email and we will get you a gift card to Midtown Comics. Or if you want to make a donation somewhere. That's the thing we do now as well. But Pete, the secret movie you were referring to for Francis Sternhagen. Yep. That's Doc right. Hollywood. That's right. The 1991 banger, Doc Hollywood. Ooh. All right. There we go. R.I.P. Now, as we all know, new comic books are coming out all the time. Pete, what are you looking forward to that's coming oh, out this week? A lot of great stuff coming out this week. But I'll tell you. Titans Beast World number two and Titans Beast World Tour Gotham number one. Wow, you're loving this event. I'm having such a great time, and those two comics are were just fantastic. They're so great. I hope we get to talk about them together. Oh, I guess I guess we'll see what happens in the stack. Lots of stuff I'm looking forward to as well, or intrigued by. I want to give a shout out to from the world of minor threats. The Alternates, number four, uh, from Dark Horse Comics, has been a great spinoff of the main series, focusing on addiction, among other things. Also, very intrigued by Masterpiece, number one, also from Dark Horse Comics. You got Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev. That's a great team. Great team. That's a great team. On a new title. Uh, And also, I was very excited about Spider-Gwen Smash, number one, new Spider-Gwen series where she's touring around with her band, See if I liked it or not. I yeah, always talk about these from the perspective did. of things I was excited about before I read them. And then we read them, of course, and then we tape the stack, which is up on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. in the comic book club feed and its own dedicated feed. Check out all those reviews and many more. And folks, that is it for this week's shoe. Bunch of people we want to thank. We want to thank Austin McKinley for coming on to talk about Riot Force, Taz Mucanic. Yes. We're talking about Lost Time. Definitely pick that up. Lost Time unbelievable. Joe Niccolo for talking about surviving comics. You'll be able to check out that soon on yeah. Indiegogo. Next week on the show, we got Rich Duak and Alex Cormack here to talk about the great book, Drive Like Hell. Mac and also, Mac. Jeffrey Brown is going to be back on the show talk about Mandalorian and Child, his latest book in his all-ages Star Wars series. So that should be fun. Scott Pilgrim versus the podcast, our Scott Pilgrim podcast. I promise the last episode of Scott Pilgrim's Takes Off is coming later this week. So check Woo-hoo! that out. Need. 
Comic Book Club news comes out every single day of the week with three to five minutes of news in your ear holes. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, we just did a rundown of a bunch of Marvel trailers. It was very fun. We missed you, Pete, but Justin and I talked about it. Patreon.com slash Comic Book Club. Support this show and all the shows we do. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X. Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the Comic Book Club. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.